0: Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic.
1: But first I want to introduce uh, you to my audience who might not be familiar with you. And your name is Rose Schindler. Yeah. And I'm convinced we are related because my uh, grandfather's side of my family came from Ungvar, from Hungary. 20 uh, kilometers
0: from Serednia.
1: Yeah, it's right near Serednia between um Serednia was between Mumkach and ungvar right
0: middle Serednia means middle
1: yes and then uh and and we have close ties with you I've, i met you six years ago with max mm-hmm. your beloved husband of blessed memory uh, and the two of you have been uh, such deep inspiration to me to my family to my friends i could not resist wanting to you know interview you and share your wisdom and today is an appropriate day. Today is actually recording this <clears throat> on uh, Thursday, July 30th, which is uh, the Jew in the Hebrew calendar. It's the ninth of the month of Av, which is known as Tisha and it's a fast day. So I've been fasting. I want to talk about that and talk about how uh, people like me can relate to to Tisha through the experiences of someone like you and Max having been through a literal hell and. Uh, I want to first. I want to take take a step back and just and just introduce you know who you are, where you are, where you grew up. Um, I've known you for, for long enough to be you know so impressed with you that you're you're perhaps you know the most the most courageous individual I've ever met, and I have tremendous respect for you. and, and I hope that when uh, I am even you know a little bit older, that I can have one percent of the energy that you have. Uh, for a mission that, if you like, God put you on earth to do, which is to tell the world as as your father implored you again and again in your book that you wrote with Max called To Her Survived. Uh, it was a best-selling book, came out last year, and it's been featured around the world, and you've done such tremendous work. But first, Rose, can you introduce yourself, um, where you grew up, and where you live now, and uh, and then we'll talk a little bit more about some of the topics in the book.
0: Okay, well... I was born in Czechoslovakia, which is Russia, by the way, right now, or the Ukraine, actually, right between Unvar and, Un, uh, and Munkacs, 20 kilometers on either side, okay? Anybody wanted to go from Munkacs to Unvar, they had to go through to Seregna because that was the only road. Uh, I come from that village, We uh, there were about 600 Jewish people in our village, okay? I don't know if we call it a village or not, because uh, <laughs> there were village, many villages all over Europe. Three, four hundred people. Okay, so uh, we had a wonderful life. Of course, this was Austria-Hungary before the First World War. Okay, in the Second World War, it became uh, Czechoslovakia. And of course, in 1938, Hitler came into power. Mm-hmm. So Hitler and uh, so became Hungary again because Hungary was in, uh, uh, you know, friends of uh, Hitler. Okay, mm. so. Uh, uh, before the war, everything was great. My father was a tailor. He had a shop in the middle of town. Sure you seen the in the book, the picture. Uh, and as I said, we had a really great life. We never even dreamt of going to America or going here or there because we didn't need to do that. I wish we would have. Mm. Family would have been saved. So, But in 1938, everything went to hell.
1: When I read the book, the book is written um in sort of real time. You're writing it as you remembered it and as Max remembered it. Right. Um, and uh so your husband, your late husband, um of blessed memory, Max Schindler. Uh so first of all, one one misconception to get out of the way. You're not related to the famous Oscar Schindler, although you did no, participate obviously not. in the he was, he was he was
0: We don't know, because they came from the same town.
1: Oh they did. Oh, interesting.
0: Yes. And my uh, we believe, and Max was nine years old when they were pushed out of his town, mm. okay?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, we believe that they converted, mm.
1: must, yes.
0: have, must have had some Jewish blood in him to do what he did, okay? Yeah.
1: And you think about um, you think about the perspective of the way the book starts and it's heartbreaking because we know the outcome of the story. On one hand, we know that you survived. I mean, that's the title of the book, but we know how many didn't survive. And that's, of course, what makes it so noteworthy. Uh, the, the way that you tell this true story from two different perspectives, a young boy, a young w- woman, uh, all the way up through marriage and then eventually overcoming. But of course, the brutal mid middle part of the book is about your experience in, in Auschwitz-Birkenau too and the camps that you endured starting in 1944. But before we get there... I wanna first take a step back. When you were a little girl, the stories that you tell, Rose, makes me want to live where you were living. It makes me, it seems so idyllic. Your uh, eight brothers and sisters you were, you had uh, 10, fi- ten uh, people in the family, your father had a business, you, you worked, he worked with Jews, with non-Jews, He, uh, he uh, and, and Max's family as well, but but specifically yours, cause I'm speaking with you today. Uh, you talk about the rituals, your daily life, um, the the just ordinary nature of life in Sirenia, and how idyllic it seemed, and until until one day, obviously everything changed. But um, when you look back on it, I look back on your life, and I see a vision for how I'd love to have raised my kids, <laughs> at least in the very beginning, and the suddenness at which things change is so startling, unbelievable. Can you talk about? Um, how, how can the human mind even process that? We live in America, the greatest country in the world, uh, the, the greatest country um, you know, for Jews even, uh, you know, aside from Israel, that's ever existed. And how is it possible that you know, the world can go? As Max talks about, he said his father loved Germany so much that uh, because it was a pinnacle in science, which is what I study, in technology, in culture how can how can the world go mad so quickly how did you process that as a young person
0: well remember i was like nine years old 90 when it all started in 1938 and i, I was an ignorant, ignorant ignorant child you know in those days we were really not like today today at 10 12 14 year old they're so grown up it's not like how we grew up we didn't know anything what was going on in the world first of all in 1930 uh, nine, uh, our town was kind of closed off. We could not go anywhere anymore. Mm. We had no, we didn't have any information what was going on in the world. Because no, if anybody had one or two radios in the whole town, it was against the law. There was never any newspapers. And the only information they would give to us, if there was any, they used to use the, a drum from the middle of the town, in the farmer's market. They used the drum and they would announce different things, what's going on. But after 1939, 40, none of this was done. And we had no idea what was going on. But I tell you, uh, us Jews in those days, we were so religious, believed in God so strong. Nobody believed that anything so horrible was ahead of us.
1: You mentioned it many times, how religious your father was
0: Absolutely, strictly orthodox. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had no idea what was going on and we were strictly believing in God that everything will be fine. We were taken like sheep to the slaughter.
1: How, how uh, when you look back on that, um, you know I've, reconci- I've I've wrestled with this question as well. Again, today is Tisha on the Jewish calendar, which means it's a, it's a fast day. It commemorates the uh, destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, and the temple in Jerusalem was said to be destroyed not because of outside forces, the Romans or whatever, who literally did the destruction, com- completed the destruction, but because of baseless hatred, that there was hatred between the Jews. And, uh, and there were times throughout Jewish history dating back as the, uh, as the, um, uh, as the, the description goes, back to the tale of the spies In the desert uh you know thousands of years ago with moses that um said you know evil things or told evil things about the nature of the land and the inhabitants Mm -hmm. up until up until the destruction of the temple uh but jews have been targeted for so long and i wonder you know if if uh i think elie Wiesel said you know god told the jews they had a mission but he didn't say it was a suicide mission Do you feel like this is a pattern in history uh, that is destined to be repeated? Or do you feel like, you know, after the Holocaust, there's no denying that there's been this awful oppression, not not only of Jews, but but of of tremendous numbers of of groups throughout history. Do you feel like it's come to an end or could it happen again?
0: Who knows what's ahead of us? Tell me. Okay. Mm. I sure hope it never happens again. You think the world would have had a good uh, ex- experience with what happened, and I hope it never happens again. There's no reason for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we as Jews in, in Serenia, we had a wonderful life during before the war, okay? We had no problem, but we got along with everybody, only mm-hmm. Jewish people, mostly, were business people, mm-hmm even though we had no higher education than middle school, okay? So if anybody wanted to get a higher education, they'd have to go to either Munkach or Umar or Budapest or whatever. So uh, I just can't believe that the world allowed this to happen. Everybody was silent, and they took us like sheep to the slaughter, okay? Mm-hmm. Nobody tried to help us. And I sure hope it never happens again, mm-hmm. okay?
1: And we'll get to your mission um, towards the end of the conversation. Uh, uh, to To bring the attention to the world, as your father said, you had to survive, and if you didn't you know the world would not know your story and It was almost as if you had a divine mission and i and I feel like I wonder how many roses there could have been or maxes there could have been that that didn't make it out uh maybe only because of you know this horrible term we call luck, you know that they just didn't have it, or perhaps. You you had so many examples in the book, um, which is is just so so gripping. I mean, I read it in a couple of hours, and and I love learning about Max, and I just regret that I didn't have as much time with him as as I do with you, and hopefully you'll live to 120, and we'll have many chances to, to have more conversations. As you know, you're the... Uh, my one of my daughters, her her middle name is Rose. Uh, in your honor, uh, our little our little baby, and They're beautiful children. Ah, uh, thank you, Rose. Thank you. Um, but when I think about you, I think about this this courage that you had. That you had this. I think of you very interestingly because you have tremendous courage. You can be very serious, but you have a sense of humor that is is just so endearing. And I wonder. Where did you get that, that spirit of, of courage, that spirit of, I am going to find a way to succeed, that you could succeed literally in the depths of hell, that you stepped out of lines that would have led to your slaughter and yeah, to I'm your... Like <laughs> And how did you come, how did you, what, what caused you to have that courage? You don't speak as much about your mother uh, in the book. Was it her? I mean, your father obviously was this towering intellect, this figure of religious pillar in your life. But where did you get the, the other side of you, the mischievous side, the, the, the side that took risks and, and had such great courage? I
0: was, I was a com- uh, what is it, tomboy, like
1: mm-hmm.
2: going
0: <laughs> up? Yeah. up. Uh, many times I would do things I shouldn't do and got spanked for it <laughs> but uh, I I'm, I was not ready to take anything that's ahead of me I had oh. to fight it my father you know I saw my father in camp
2: mm-hmm.
0: the, the, the group was selected already and they were there temporarily and in, in camp C in Auschwitz and he, he, he met the next morning okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in Auschwitz and he said whatever you do stay alive so you can tell the world what they're doing yeah and I stuck to that. And believe me, many times I was, I was uh, taken. I was selected to go to out to the concentrate to, to the excuse me to the oven
2: because
0: mm. you know we, they brought us there to do work, slave labor. Okay, and we would have selections all the time. So uh, the first three four times of selections, they would put me in the gas chamber line because I was skin and bone. I was never a heavy person. And being in Auschwitz, like 10 days before we decided, hey, we need to get out of this godforsaken place, okay? So uh, we went for selection three, four times, and then each time they put us in the gas chamber. They put me in the gas chamber line and my two sisters into the sent to a factory to work. So, you know, you get a lot of uh, knowledge when you're in a place like this. People tell you how to survive, okay?
1: You talk so much in the book about how Bes- aside from the awful, you know, German, um, the uh, German guards that were there, most mm-hmm. of the people in charge, so to speak, were Jewish. And and the, ha- how did you relate to that? How could you process that? That these were your fellow Jews, and they were they were kind of or- orchestrating and, and playing a role. Obviously, they were forced at death at the so
0: They had no choice. So you didn't
1: you didn't harbor any resentment against the capos because they are perceived you know there is literature about them as, as sort of you know um, mixed literature shall we say but you don't harbor any any resentment or hatred towards oh no
0: no them. listen the man that came on the train to help with our luggage she was one of our survivors and he comes and tells me he says how old are you I said I'm fourteen he just tell him you're eighteen so a lot of people were saved that way okay.
1: Mm-hmm. And if you hadn't been uh, told that, you would have said I would, you're 14. I and you wouldn't
0: be here. You wouldn't I, be here. No, I would have gone. They want, they told me to go with my, you know. Of course, I. To, they asked me my age, and I said I was 18. And my sister Helen said, oh, no, she's only 14. I said, oh, no, I'm 18. Hmm. I don't know what made me say that. I had no idea what's going on. So uh, remember, this was the beginning of Auschwitz, too. Yeah. Because we got there in, what? 19, so... You get a lot of advice from your people that you're with about these things,
1: and it's almost the information denial to you know the uncertainty, the 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 not the lack of knowledge about your fate and the rumors and the misinformation. That even knowing what what happened with the benefit of history, that I do know about what this tragic event was, and and really just awful, evil event, um, series of events that happened to you and to Max and. Uh, and then realizing that, you know, part of it was to strip you of your dignity and your humanity. And I don't, I wonder, you know, if it would even be possible if the Germans didn't do this, if they didn't shave your heads and and give you no clothes and make you stand in pointless lines and, and assemble every morning for counting, that that was part of the strategy. It wasn't enough that you would die, that the Jews would be killed. It was, it, they had to be humiliated. They had to be um, tortured psychologically. And I wonder, you know, I've I've often heard, you know, these the these, you know, by people I love that the nature of humanity is good. I I wonder do you agree with that or I'm not saying that humans are inherently evil by any means, God forbid, but do you feel like humans have a natural inclination one way or another, or do you think it's just random chance?
0: Well, I think it depends on circumstances. What what you have to do and what you need to do. The Germans, they had no choice, okay? Even though I'm sure a lot of them wouldn't have wanted to do what they were doing. Mm -hmm. But uh, they did what they had to do. And uh, of course, a lot of them did a lot more than they should also. Mm -hmm. So there were never any Germans that would help us. And we never even expected that. But anyway, the thing is, uh, all we had to do is just believe in God and not give up hope. Mm -hmm. That's another thing. Every day we would say, don't ever give up hope. Make, remember tomorrow will be better."
1: What was the hope about Rose? Was it that God would rescue you? Was it that you could escape? Was it that Hitler would, would be killed? I
2: was
0: hoping that the war would end. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is 1944. You know, by the time we came to Auschwitz, probably my, my town, my village was liberated in September of 1944, just mm-hmm. five months after we were taken away. So we were, but we, were, I was, we were four months in Auschwitz because every time they would come for people to go to factories to work, the first couple of months we did it, but then I, every time they put me in the gas chamber line, so we decided not to do it and we were hoping the war would end, we would be liberated, okay? So, because you know every, every barrack had a thousand women. Mm-hmm. They come for two, 300 women, you're not forced to go to line up and get, uh, but of course a lot of us tried, and uh, a lot and believe me a lot of people went into the gas chambers through that too okay because people just food was unbelievable it was not livable not even for animals okay
1: and i i just think you know as you say i i don't think i could handle what you went through just being honest with you and then it, even even just your surviving it was more that i i would say in addition to surviving you, you had this attitude that you looked at things wherever you could as, as a chance, as an opportunity for hope in particular, like you make up the, you know, and I, I know that your, 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 stature physically is not as imposing as your, as your, you know, kind of character that you're, you're such a larger than life figure, but in reality, you're about five feet tall or so maybe five one, I would say, you yeah. know, I I don't think (laughs) that's right. Um, and, And yet you even say things in the book like you were because you were so small, they would give you a stool and that allowed you not to have to stand like you're seeing the good fortune that you had at every turn. I wonder, is that because? you know, were you so young that you really didn't have an experience? I mean, this is this is five of the worst months of any human being's life that they could possibly endure. And it wasn't like when you got to the work camp later, it was all fun and games. It was still pretty awful. It just, the constant threat of being gassed wasn't quite as high. But when you went to the work camp after, and when was that? Was that in September? Yes, um, in 19-
0: fall. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you and went they, to the work camp? no idea about dates, by the way.
1: Right, yeah, they denied you that information. We as part.
0: All we had in our lives was a dress and clogs, and that's it, a dress, a piece of rag, actually. Okay, so we had no idea. Mm. But the thing is, you just have to have, you had to have hope. If you well, gave up hope, you have, you're gone.
1: What was the, um, you know, kind of the hardest time? Was it the first days you got there? Was it getting towards the end when it seemed like things? When was it most challenging for you personally?
0: Well, the best time was when we were liberated, of mm-hmm. course. Mm-hmm. We, we, when we, The first four months in Auschwitz-Birkenau, Camp C was a horrible, horrible place. It's, it's a transitional camp. You come and you get selected, and nobody stays there like we did. Mm-hmm. The only people that stayed behind were the people that were not selected, mm-hmm. like we. There were other people that did the same thing I did, okay? Because we were hoping the war would end, and, but of course it took, it took the world a long time to do that. But we just never gave up hope. That's the thing. If you give up hope, you're lost. Okay. And
1: were there people in the uh, in the in the camps that were that maintained their religiosity? That's remained, you know, kind of.
0: You couldn't remain your religion. I mean, we had all we had to do was worry about surviving. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: In terms of their faith, did did people keep their faith?
0: Hope. Mm-hmm. You gotta have hope; otherwise, you're lost. Mm-hmm. Okay, you give up your hope. People would put their hands on the electric fences. Twenty seconds later, they were dead. dead. You can't imagine how horrible that.
1: Do you okay? think was was Max raised by more religious parents or less religious? Oh parents? no,
0: no, no. They were like like Reformed Jews here mm-hmm. in the United States. Okay,
1: mm-hmm.
0: even though uh, they were not Orthodox, but they still went to temple. Mm-hmm. Okay, so no, they were not Orthodox. They were you, very
1: modern religious German Jews. Okay. And they, they were more they they Germany as sort of a, a paradisical place uh, at least until the awful events that Max describes and you describe. Um, do you feel like people that were religious had uh, a better probability to to survive, or do you feel like it was it was almost random that it, no matter how religious you were, it didn't it didn't affect your your chances to survive?
0: I don't think so. I don't know. Mm -hmm. We never talked about religion. We were in camp. Of course, we're always hoping that tomorrow will be better. Mm -hmm. We're hoping we're going to get liberated, okay? Because if you don't hope, you're lost. Mm -hmm. Remember, anybody that has any problems, remember hoping uh, that tomorrow is going to be better. That's how how we survive.
1: And do you think because the Holocaust is so... Difficult for a human being to relate to. Uh, do you feel like that advice can even translate into today when we're dealing with COVID or, or something like that? Is there, is it just so far removed from an experience that is relatable in any way to modern human beings uh, that are living in a civilized society? Do you think that the, the the lessons of the Holocaust are so unique to that form of of unique evil, or do you feel like there is lesson to be learned from from the holocaust that we could apply towards people that are going through horrible mental anguish physical anguish today obviously not the hands of of human beings but at the hands of this invisible awful pandemic
0: i sure hope nobody ever has to go through what we went through Mm -hmm. this this is unbelievable what happened to us okay and the thing is, uh, if, if we really have a terrible, terrible time, we need to fight back and not ever give up hope and make sure that they just don't take you like sheep to the slaughter, okay? Stand up for your rights. We all have the same rights, whether you're Jewish or Catholic or whatever religion, we all have the same rights in this world and we have to stand up for our rights, okay? But, uh, I, don't know if there was, I don't know what else we could have done yeah. We tried so hard to survive this. You have no idea. People died like ants. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to Auschwitz.
1: I have not. No, and I have not. The I wanted to go.
0: To, actually, mm-hmm. Okay, uh, we've been there in in ninety five. Okay,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, so um, and actually, we were we went there for the 70th anniversary of liberation of Auschwitz. Also,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: we were supposed to go. I was supposed to go with my kids in January. Right. We before january uh, i came out with a pot, uh, what do you call it uh, i had to have surgery
1: <laughs> yeah all uh, oh, right you had a heart um, a pacemaker is that
0: pacemaker right? put in <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> just uh, happened new year's a couple of days after new year's
1: and you still wanted to go out to for uh, yes,
0: uh, before the trip we canceled i just i was afraid uh, that i would ruin everybody's trip because many my kids went okay i mm-hmm. didn't ruin everybody's trip trip okay
2: yeah
0: so so we decided i decided i'm not going so then my daughter says she's not going either but two of my sons and some of my grandkids went
1: hmm wow and on that day of the
0: pleasant place to go to by the way no no
1: but do you think it should be kept it should be preserved obviously
0: absolutely Those the world never should not forget what happened to us it should should never happen again
2: Mm
1: -hmm. this
0: is unbelievable that the world allowed this to happen and you know the united states they did mm. not do anything to help us either. So many people had papers to come to America during the war, mm. and they were all denied. My husband's family had papers to go to the United States. Didn't make it.
1: Wow. And you talk about in the book, you know, the feeling of, of you know, just just relief, of, of joy. Obviously, that was tempered by the realization that your father and, and many of your uh, siblings didn't survive, obviously. Um and um, I just wanted to go back to this, to the liberation, the commemoration day and, and uh, this year of the 75th anniversary. So actually that day I was talking to another Jewish woman, her name is um, Dr. Jessica Meir, and she was in space. She was floating around in space on the space station on the, uh, on the day that commemorates the 75th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz. And I just thought how amazing it is that, you know, who would have predicted that, you know, 75 years earlier or 76 years earlier, that such a thing could be possible to literally, you know, reach the highest heights. And and I wonder, you know, if if part of your mission now obviously is is not to is to is to tell the world. You realize that you had to do your dad gave you this mission, your Tata gave you a mission to to do something. But even those that survived that that had hope or, or kept it. They have not been able to, uh, for for reasons that are totally understandable. Maybe not wanting to deal with it. Uh, it's, it. Yeah, it seems like you were able to deal with it as your son. I guess it was Steve. Was it Steve right. that had to do a report on Anne Frank's uh, diary? He was um, in a play. A play, right? So, was, can you tell what happened next? What? How did that then uh, um, encourage you to to start sharing your story in, yeah. in at that time?
0: We never talked about the Holocaust. First mm-hmm. of all, my kids were too young.
1: Yeah.
0: We wanted to forget the past. We had better things to do. So when Steve was 13 years old, he was at um, he was junior high, and he was in the Anne Frank play, he played the part of Peter. The teacher found out that his parents are Holocaust survivors. That's when I started speaking. Hmm. Before, I, had not in, I did not have any imagination about talking about the past, because it was not a pleasant thing for us. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Lewis Jr. High was the first place where I spoke, okay? So, uh, and after that, I started speaking, and I've been speaking ever since. And Steve is 61 years old. Wow. So, uh, and it's important for us to tell the world what happened to us, so it shouldn't happen again, okay?
1: Yeah, you say in the book, after my presentation to Steve's class, uh, the children started to write compassionate letters to me. They touch me to my core. I realize that innocent children are helping to mend my heart with kindness. They also speak of a desire to change the world, to prevent problems that could to lead lead to something as horrific as the Holocaust, and a need to work together. If children can learn these powerful lessons from my experiences, they can change the world. Can you say how that sh- thing shifted in you? And can you talk about, do you know how many students you've spoken to in the past? Oh my several my
0: thousands, thousands. <laughs> You know, it's really a funny thing. This week, since I'm, since we're all home and we have so many things in the homes that we never touched for years and years, I went and one of my closets, full closet is full of letters from the children, Wow. The schools. Wow. So a couple of days ago, I took all these letters and all these bags, and I found a and I got a big box, and I put all that and put it in the garage. Mm. <laughs> I room in this closet for other things. <laughs> so oh no i have oh my god i've been speaking for oh, close to 50 years okay the schools the week before this disease came out i spoke five times a week mm. sometimes even on weekends and sometimes even in the evenings evenings to women's organizations and you know so uh, yeah that's how we
1: met we met at a small gathering just a private kind of dessert gathering uh, in La Jolla, as I said, about five or six years ago when, when Max was here. Uh, and uh, and I remember, you know, just not wanting it to end and, and just hearing this conversation and then thinking back, you know, I just had this incredible desire. I wanted to do something. I want to do something. I didn't know what I could do. And uh, i had hoped that you'd write a book, but I didn't know that you were going to write a book. And how did this idea come to you and Max? Um, uh, obviously, you know, he, uh, the book is written from both of your perspectives. So it's kind of this, it, it's kind of this unique uh, description. I haven't read any book like this where there's two perspectives, but it's, it's unfolding in real time and you feel the emotions that you felt. It's really quite an amazing accomplishment. How did the idea to write a book, which I am so grateful that you did write, how did that come, come to you?
0: It's been on my mind for many years. Okay, but Max never wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. It It's not his idea, okay? Even, I mean, when we were speaking at schools, Max was speaking too, but he always said, Rose, I don't want to do what you do. You do what you want, but uh, uh, occasionally he did speak at schools also. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't in for stuff like, you know, we're all into different things. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, it's been on my mind for many years, and then finally after... Uh, Max passed, uh, actually, one day, while I'm speaking at a school, uh, uh, one of the people that came, one of the uh, mothers of the children, came to listen to me speak. She's Mm. the one that wrote my book. She never wrote a book before. Wow. Okay? Wow. And after Max passed away, as I said, I did have on my mind to someday write a book.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. After Max passed away, uh, this lady came to called me, she says, Rose, let's write the book.
2: Mm. And yeah.
0: she came to my house and we wrote the book. It took about six months to get it all done. And uh, there it is. Okay. No,
1: it's an incredible. The world,
0: the world needs to know what happened to us, even though there's many other people who wrote books too.
1: No, but this so, is a yeah. unique book because of the fact that it's the two of you and that you, you... weave together this uh this true story from two different vantage points in that the world you know maybe I couldn't relate to a little girl's experience but I can relate to a little boy's experience or, or whatever and so in that sense I don't think there's any book comparable to it and the photographs in it um you know the way I remember Max as just this joyous uh joyous man and by the way this would have been this past week would have been your anniversary. Is that right? But
0: the twenty seventh. Twenty seventh. Would have been seventies and anniversary of our oh. marriage. Okay. Oh wow!
1: Yeah. So now he was such a,
0: a. Let me tell you, it's so awful to be alone. I was never alone because I met Max in the hostel when I when I was sixteen years old. So hmm. he's the only man in my life. Hmm. And.
1: Uh, and he's such an amazing individual. When he, I remember hearing from him uh, when we met many years ago that he always had this desire for education for technology oh, yes. to, and he was really self-made i mean he you guys came to america with what twenty dollars you got twenty dollars when you arrived and then you immediately went to work uh, until one day you collapsed and in, in, and fainted on the floor i think of a subway when you were pregnant with roxanne <laughs> and uh and then he had you know he ended up coming to california and just to hear the way that he describes the pride that he felt that he could learn a trade, that he could learn a skill, coming from nothing, from a, a boy who had zero potential and and could have died many times. Three years of
0: education, but four years of education.
1: And you diminish your education, but Rose, you speak what five or you spoke five or six I different speak, languages.
0: Speak a lot of languages, but now I'm down to. Uh, I still speak Hungarian. I speak Yiddish. Okay, mm-hmm. Hungarian. Uh, uh, you couldn't sell me in Russian or Czechoslovakian. <laughs> okay.
1: But still, you, it takes a special brain to do that and also to uh, run, a, run a business as you ran a business uh, for many years in San Diego. And, but just to see Max and that he would learn a trade, he would learn computers, he did insurance, he did all sorts of different trades, and he would do it at night. Uh, he wanted to be, he said in the book, I, and I really welled up with pride and emotion for him, he didn't want a handout. He, didn't, he wanted to be independent. Even if that meant, you know, uh, paying you know twenty dollars a month for for an apartment, but he was going to earn it and he was going to support his bride in America, and that they says anything was possible in America. Yes,
0: all you have to have is willing to do it. Okay, well, I worked in the garment industry, mm-hmm. in New York, mm-hmm. did very well. Okay, so uh, of course, after five years, we decided Max came to San Diego to visit one of his friends. Who you know, all the boys said to report to the military yeah it's so here in san diego henry so uh he came to san diego for a three-day weekend christmas eve 1955 was it 55 i think so i'm not okay mm-hmm. he never came back to New York. he calls me two days later rose pick up and we already had a daughter in New York. yeah and, and we're moving to california
2: <laughs> yeah and even so it...
0: fast I, and i just went along you know yeah uh,
1: And you made a wonderful life here and you raised your children here. And, um, and I think, you know, just the simple things that you couldn't have imagined in the depths of despair in the, in the pits of, 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 of evil in Auschwitz um, and uh, Theresienstadt. And I wonder, you know, could, I just feel the, um, the emotion, the pride that he, when he talks about buying his first car, okay, it was a used Ford, but, but he had pride like you never would have predicted that you never would have predicted the things that you've seen and and done and accomplished and um and i wonder if god didn't put you here for that mission that the two of you should meet
0: who knows who knows, who knows? yeah I tell you, uh, I, w- I mean things are not like they were in europe with the religion okay mm-hmm. because i was so disappointed what happened to us i i still I still ask questions where was god when this was going on
2: mm-hmm. okay no to it's not
0: the complete family we must have had probably i would say at least 150 to 200 people in our family with my mother's sisters and brothers my father's cousins aunts grandparents But maybe a dozen of us came back after the war
1: when you found I, said, the I have
0: a lot of questions to god nine. Okay. I'm sure
1: you do, Rose, and it's totally natural. And I have questions, too, even not having gone through what you went through and Max went through, and, you know, we can't understand it. And I dislike it when people say, oh, the reason the reason for this was so that Israel could be found. I, I reject that. I don't, I don't, I don't.
0: I do. I reject that, too. I don't think that's a good reason, okay?
1: I see that that there are special human beings that are created and and just as you can ask, you know, where was God when these awful things happened and evil things happened? They were committed by human beings. Um, and, and you can say that, you know, COVID wasn't created by a human being. It's a natural process. Let's ignore that for a second. But just think that sometimes when I meet somebody like you or and I or I meet my new baby for the first time, and I think... Um, how 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 can you explain it as an as an atheist? You know the miracles that there are in life that you did, oh, yes. yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. A
0: lot, of, everything is a miracle.
1: Mm-hmm. A miracle that we're
0: all still here. Okay, but anyway, we needed a miracle, but we didn't have it when we needed it.
1: Yeah, I want to just conclude by uh, discussing the. Um, the the mission that you're on now. I'm going to read the 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 a couple of sentences from the final chapter, the epilogue. Uh, <clears throat> uh, so Rose and Max continued to be members of the 45 Aid Society. This group maintained relationships with European survivors. So there were significant numbers. Or how many San Diegans were Holocaust survivors back when you we were here? quite
0: a big group. When we really? came to Diego in '56,
1: wow,
0: we had a the New Life Club.
1: Mm-hmm it,
0: started it in 1949 because a lot some boys ended in San Diego because they were in the military mm. okay Max was not in the military because he has, he was a 4f because he had uh, diseases in the camp mm-hmm. so, uh, so we started the club in 1949 uh, with a few people and little by little people were coming. we had over 100 members Wow survivor members okay today the club uh, is still existing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, a lot of them are, we we just have maybe 20, 25 at a meeting, Mm -hmm. but most of those are people that left the war before, uh, they left Europe before the war. So Mm -hmm. they're still considered survivors, but there's not too many real survivors like me left Mm -hmm. in San Diego anymore. I was 14 when we were taken away, okay? Mm -hmm. So... um,
1: Hmm.
2: Um, told, so.
1: <laughs> Max told me when uh, a few years ago that he had a friend who had survived the camps with him and that he was drafted and served in Korea. Is is that true?
0: I guess. I'm not yeah. sure about Korea, but he was in the military.
1: Ah, I think that, that, and then he almost died in Korea. And the thing, I mean, I can't even envision that. Imagine surviving hell on yeah. earth. And then coming to America and thinking your life is, is completely changed obviously, and then being drafted to yeah. go and fight and thank God he survived. Uh, but it's just, it's just an, un, an unbelievable story of the and, and many I know many of the survivors did want to serve and repay America. And some of them also
0: were killed okay yeah, I mean true. actually this is after the war, so there was no war when they went into the military, but some probably may have had some diseases maybe that mm-hmm. they never knew about it and some of them may have died but actually even if they didn't go into the military some of us some survivors did not live as long as I like, am still around at 90 it's a miracle that I'm still around you
1: are yeah well and you're
0: believe I would live that long
1: I know especially with everything that you described
0: my husband was with me for 67 years wow and,
1: and he, he was such a an amazing inspiration for for me just to see I mean if you met max you would you if you meet Rose uh, to my listener, you'll know soon what she what she is about. That what she has gone through, what she has recovered from, what she has accomplished, and 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 just just dominated, you know, life and just sucks out the marrow. But Max was a little bit more introverted. Max was reserved, but um, being in the presence of him was uh, like being with a very quiet sort of saintly person. And, and that he was—he um, was—he was so. Uh, he had a sense of calm about him that was very unusual. I mean, I love talking to you. You and I are family members, I'm sure, and so we just relate to each other. But Max was this, um, and I wonder if it was this German, you know, kind of upbringing. But he was very stoic in a sense.
0: He was a very smart man. Yes, he was. Two and a half years of education, in schools. Mm-hmm. Okay. If he would have, lived, if not for the war, he would have been something very special. Okay.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: on a long way okay but he was not a speaker like me no he didn't enjoy speaking like i i speak to everybody yeah. i go outside out of my house and i start talking to all the neighbors <laughs> <laughs> so especially in this time we're all outside walking which we've never done Unbelievable. The same, i know. over 50 years now and uh, i take, i last night i went out for a walk and i happened to take two books with me
2: mm.
0: okay and by the time I was done, I left without the books. Mm.
2: Okay.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. We start talking to every, to each other, and the, world, the whole world is getting a lot
2: finer. <laughs>
1: yeah. And I think about the, um, as you talk about in the book, the other projects you're involved with, the Butterfly Project, um, which is to... That's um, how we
0: started. Oh. Cheryl Price. Mm-hmm. I met Cheryl Price when she was working on that.
1: Oh, wow. Project. Oh, yeah. Okay. I know
0: her from the beginning.
1: She's
0: a really nice
1: lady. And um, and nowadays, you've uh, obviously you've spoken to to thousands of people. You participated in the um, USC Shoah Foundation Institute uh, with Steven Spielberg, who documented the testimonials of the Holocaust, um, and that uh, the, the the project obviously culminated or is related to Schindler's List, the film. Um, in uh, the other awards that you've received are Jewish Heritage Month Local Heroes Award from KPBS. Uh, Rose was named one of the cool women of 2015 by the San Diego Girl Scouts, <laughs> as well as a woman of valor uh, during the 24th annual Lipinski Jewish Arts Festival in San Diego in, in 2017. Uh, two years ago, you were awarded an honorary high school diploma from La Jolla Country Day School, <clears throat> and an honorary MBA. Oh, so maybe you can help me with my tax. I'm an educated
0: people person. <laughs> you
1: are. Well, yes, not all educations come with such uh, such very impressive curriculum vitae. <clears throat> and the senior class unanimously voted to award Rose the shim, uh, the certificate after hearing or speak at their school. She was interviewed on both days, and uh, with a big smile, she told the reporters, "This is the best day of my life." Well, um, Rose, I do want to thank you. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, I'll end the podcast for us, and then I want to. Uh, I'll call you back, and then I want you to say hi to little uh, little uh, Miriam Rose, my daughter, who's uh, who's named after you. I want she wants to say hi to you. So. Uh, Rose, I want to thank you so much, uh, and my audience. Sorry, this is you know a little bit different from the scientists, the engineers. The... How long have you been doing this? I've been doing this for almost two years, maybe. But uh, but you're the you're just such a you're the most special guest I've I had. did that you did this. Well, we've been
0: on a couple of other podcasts, by the way. I don't know if you know that.
1: Yes, I do. I know you were on a very very well known one with a local San Diegan named Jocko Willink. Right. Um, and that has seen over a quarter million views. So I'm going to put that in the link in the notes for people that are listening uh, to see Rose, who's this five foot, uh, one inch uh, domino, a uh, mighty, you know, indomitable spirit next to Jocko Willink. who's like six feet and huge muscle man, Navy SEAL uh, commander, very nice guy, very yeah. bri- brilliant guy, too. So I'll put a link to that. Um, and Rose, I just want to I just want to thank you. Uh, I think about you all the time. Our family loves you, and we're so glad that you. I love are... you too,
0: guys. I love your children; they're so cute.
1: <laughs> they love you; yeah. they really worship you. And uh, and I know that we'll be together soon. I want everyone to be healthy. Is a
2: doll, by the way,
1: yes, she is too. Yeah, yeah. So I want to thank you so much, Rose, and uh, thanks to yeah. your your children for setting this up. And um, I hope we can see each other soon, one I way or, so or another.
0: Too. Right, right. Thank you for doing this, Brian.
1: Thank you, Rose. Thank you. You're, you're a true right. stay channel. Stay
0: well. Stay healthy. Put I will. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thanks. You heard it? it here. Don't don't I ignore.
0: Put your mask on. I, I walk out and I forget to put my mask on. I don't get a mask.
1: <laughs> Listen oh, to Rose. She knows what she's talking about. Thank, thank you, Rose.
0: Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. If you enjoyed this episode of Into the Impossible, please subscribe, comment, share, rate, and review. For a chance to win a free copy of our most recent guest's newest book, send a screenshot of your review to info at imagine.ucsd.edu. We appreciate hearing from you and are always open to your suggestions for future episodes. For more information, go to imagination.ucsd.edu. Find us on Twitter at ImagineUCSD. Watch us on YouTube. Listen on iTunes. Into the Impossible is a production of the Arthur C. Clarke Center for Human Imagination in the Division of Physical Sciences at the University of California, San Diego. Eric Veery, Director. Brian Keating,
2: Co-Director. Patrick Coleman, Associate Director. Produced by Stuart Volko.